I took in my local and national newscasts, and between the two, I found three stories at least missed by what I call the regional gap. Of you, I request a couple of minutes to get a little more detail than normal, because it's the last Bob's World before I go on break, and it comes to you in a minute. Put a frog in a pot of boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in a pot of cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As a metaphor for us and all that we go through as veterans, it's a story that rings true. We learn to endure the heat in silence. We apply what we learn to life, the bills, the job, the family, things we're expected to handle with ease. When life heats up around us, we just try to stay afloat. We let the water boil. Reaching out isn't easy, but you've never been interested in easy. You join because you are not afraid of hard work. You are not a frog. If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait until the water boils. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. Here we are. This is the last edition of Bob's World before the break for August, and I'll be back around Labor Day with more stories one morning at a time. I realize I've been delivering this to you in midday this month of July as things have turned to a different pace, and they'll continue at an even slower pace after I'm done with this edition. I'm sure all of us are armchair editors and producers to a certain point, and I don't want to make this a gripe session, as my friends in news gathering are only working with the tools they have been dealt with and using them the best that they can. That said, if I had the means, I'd be fighting for every extra piece of resource you could possibly have to do what you do. I know there's plenty of nights almost every night, in fact, where stories you'd like to squeeze in don't get on, and the stories you do have uh, need to be condensed, and you're always continually concerned with that challenge because you want to tell each story as completely and thoroughly as you can, and obviously stories fall through the cracks. But with six states which have as much in common with each other and with neighboring places in Canada, such as Quebec and Atlantic Canada, there's this gap between the local news covering stories in the shadow of their single TV transmitter and the national network news whose resources are attempting, try as they may each day, to bring stories to you which are of national importance or world importance. But there's no regional network serving the six New England states. Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. I know there's one on cable, but it has a feel of being an aggregator of local stories from the local stations in New England. While I want to emphasize none of this is personal, I still need to point out at least three major stories in our region today, yesterday, that fell through the regional gap and made it on neither the local or national news. So if I was in charge of a regional network newscast at, say, 10 p.m., after all, there are plenty of local newscasts at 10 p.m., why not a regional network newscast 
at 10 p.m. or counter-program the stations that have local news on 11 and put it on at that point. Anyway, if I was chief correspondent of one, here's what you would have seen last night. Story number one, there's a wildfire burning in northwestern Maine. It's all unfolding just west of Moosehead Lake near the community of Greenville. The Maine Forest Service says this forest fire located in Brasua Township in Piscataquis County is eight acres wide and just 15% contained as of 7 o'clock last night. Brasua Township has several miles of unimproved roads, which makes getting around rather difficult if time is of the essence. There's an awful lot of logging that goes on in that area. I would have had someone on the air there, even if I just had a few minutes with a forest ranger on the phone showing the most recent pictures that I could get my fists on. And that would be as we were getting someone from the nearest affiliate, either Bangor or Portland there, or better yet, our own network correspondent whose beat is these stories. And if I had the best ones, I'm sure they would have been able to figure out long before airtime that there was something going on there. Because that what ha that's what happens when you're really good and you've got all sorts of people in your contact list who you know for background. I know what you're going to say. Why this fire in this rural part of Maine? Why is that story one? Here's the connection. Story two. The National Drought Mitigation Center produces a U.S. drought monitor map each Thursday. And every part of New England, aside from northwest, the northwestern third of Vermont, is having some sort of drought right now. Nearly half of the state of Maine is having what's categorized as a moderate drought. Most of Vermont is in the least severe, abnormal drought category. Eastern Massachusetts and Rhode Island, along with portions of eastern Connecticut, are in severe drought. And if this is a New England network, that's the vast majority of the viewing area under a drought. Boston is down 8 inches of liquid precip, or the equivalent of snow, since the start of the year. Uh, Portland is down nearly 7 inches than what it should be. Augusta and Bangor are doing a little better in the drought situation, but still not out of the drought. I think we can have someone file this story about drought, who with producers around the region can gather viewpoints of people affected by this larger story that covers the entire region. How are the local crops doing? That's one question. In, in connection with the first story, the fire, given this drought most of New England is dealing with, what are the chances some other forest fire is going to happen somewhere in the immediate future at any given point in the region as a result of this drought? There's widespread calls for, this is what this uh, weekly update uh, is saying from, uh, it's connected with the National Weather Service and, and uh, the National Forest Service. U.S. Department, of, U.S. Department of Agriculture and uh, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, rather. Uh, there's widespread calls for water conservation throughout New England right now, along with our neighbors in the Hudson Valley of New York and, and uh, adjoining New Jersey. The third story in this broadcast 
is that the Pope spoke in Quebec City as part of his Canada-wide reconciliation tour. I know the national networks did go to Western Canada and cover this in the U.S., and uh, CBS did one of the best stories on it of the U.S. networks. But New England is just a few hours from Quebec City, and this needs to be on because it's a story which needs to be told, as horrible as it is to be told, but it needs to be told. From the CBC last night, Pope Francis, who is presiding over Thursday evening prayers in Quebec City, acknowledged the sexual abuse inflicted on minors and vulnerable people for the first time since arriving in Canada. In his homily, Francis said the Catholic Church in Canada is on a new path after being devastated by the evil perpetrated by some of its sons and daughters. He said uh, addressing sexual abuse and other such crimes requires firm action and an irreversible commitment. Francis had apologized during stops in Alberta and Quebec for the role Catholic institutions played in the indigenous residential school system, uh, which uh, took uh, children from their families, stripped them of their culture and language, but until now had not directly spoken of sexual abuse. But that happened. Uh, last year, you may recall, uh, in June, uh, there were stories that came uh, to light of mass graves in Western Canada, which brought all of this to the forefront, to the point where the Pope is in Canada and in Quebec City specifically now. His homily in Quebec City also says that as part of its reconciliation efforts, the Christian community can never again be infected by the idea that one culture is superior to others. Indigenous people have been expressing a mixture of hope and skepticism over the Pope's visit, reports the CBC, with some saying that uh, uh, on Thursday, which is yesterday as you're hearing this, they want to hear about the actions that will follow the pontiff's historic apologies. They want more than words. Uh, but there's another element of the story. A delegation of Haudenosaunee, uh, First Nations people who largely live along the St. Lawrence River, say they're disappointed with the lack of opportunity to speak with Pope Francis during the papal visit to Quebec. The CBC's been covering this very well. As uh, far as I'm concerned, this needs to be on in New England. On the airway, and resources need to be directed to tell these stories well. Uh, this is from the CBC's reporting uh, that follows here. On Wednesday, Pope Francis arrived in Quebec City, and as part of his six day pilgrimage of healing, reconciliation, and hope, Louise Hearn and Kenneth Deere were among the diplomats and indigenous representatives invited to the Citadel, the fortress overlooking the Plains of Abraham in Quebec City and the St. Lawrence River for one of the scheduled papal visits. Kenneth Deere, who was from Ganawaki, a community south of Montreal, and a member of the Haudenosaunee External Relations Committee, told the CBC the indigenous representatives had no voice in the event. The Haudenosaunee, in case you had not heard the term before, uh, is uh, also known as the Iroquois, which is the language. 
uh, or Six Nations Confederacy. Uh, they've been leading the call for many decades to get the what are called the papal bulls that make up the doctrine of discovery to be rescinded. Now, the doctrine of discovery goes back to the 1600s and basically said that any land which was not settled by Europeans was fair game to convert to Christianity as if to say that their own systems and faiths had no merit, and it kind of contributed to uh, the way Europeans centuries ago had treated those of African descent as they settled into Africa and with the Americas as well. So, uh, in the run-up, that's an important story to be told. Uh, and if we hear some of these uh, reconciliation stories with regards to the Pope in Quebec City, it may have some, it should have some contemporary reflections with some of our, some of our uh, politicians are speaking at the right wing end of the political spectrum. Papa, why can't we telegraph while riding a horse? Son, there ain't no one to blame but Jeffro. He was riding old Betsy the Stallion, tip-tapping away at his telegraph, when blam, ran right into the side of the saloon. Well, if Jeffro can't do it, neither should you. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. In fact, in the run-up to this visit, I'd want a series of stories, longer stories, than are normally in a nightly newscast to shed light on this, uh, speaking with anyone who wanted to. It's a tough story, but someone, it, it needs to be told. Like that night Scott Pelley on 60 Minutes introduced a, a story of his from, from Syria. The longer stories I'd schedule for later in the hour, after the uh, regular daily stories were told, certainly depending upon the day, the uh, news portion and the magazine portion can be adjusted as it's the same network and uh, the, the two, I certainly wouldn't want uh, the sort of rivalry that there was uh, going on at the CBC for a while between the news department and the current affairs department, which ran the magazine. <laughs> Wouldn't want that. But I, th I think an hour is necessary to, to tell good stories completely. Uh, I, I think that hour format is important. It, it, it's not unheard of. I mean, I'm going to give some laurels here as far as news gathering. It's not unheard of for local stations to even go overseas to cover stories. The people at Vermont's WCAX uh, covered the burn pit story through the voices of Vermonters who served overseas some years ago. Of course, that story would be on the news and was on the national news last night because Republicans are somehow blocking funding for the victims who are veterans who served these United, the United States military who are suffering from having been near these burn pits 
while serving overseas. Some of these folks were unable to work. The CBS Evening News told the story of a veteran from out west who had to cut his military career short and then tried to get into local law enforcement, and he's just got so much going on health-wise wrong with his respiratory system as a result of being near these burn pits, that he can't do that. How does he live? I wouldn't just cover the story of today, which is how the legislation is being blocked, and the eloquent yet angry words of comedian John Stewart, who has become a very loud voice in support of not just this, but of 9-11 Ground Zero survivors who have had to deal with toxic dust in their lungs. Definitely have a clip of him speaking, though. I'd also bring up the stories of New Englanders who served, who are dealing with the consequences of these burn pits. Uh, Not to mention asking anyone who was involved with uh, blocking this legislation why and seeing what kind of a response they'd give on the record. I mean, I can't imagine what kind of a response someone would have for blocking something like this. I, I, I'm, I'm sincerely curious as to what kind of a response somebody would be willing to say on the record. So, those are some of the things I would have put on last night. Every so often, there's people who ask me how I feel about the state of electronic journalism today. Regardless of how it gets distributed to you, I categorize it as electronic journalism. Uh, you know, your smartphone is an electronic device, your television's a, an electronic device, and, and God bless radio. Radio's important. You know, it, it's there when the lights go off, or it should be. Generators. Generators. Generators in the studio, generators at the transmitter, generators able to kick in those standby generators. We had one at WDEV. I believe it was it was installed by Brookfield Service. Brookfield Service generators in Northfield. <laughs> they didn't pay me to say it. I just remember the line. It was part of it was part of storm coverage because they had. It was a lesson learned from Tropical Storm Irene that hit my old haunt on the radio dial, WDEV, and it hit it, it, Waterbury in central Vermont. We remember this stuff. Um, and radio is important because the Internet went down, the power went out. There were communities that were, as you can go back into the episodes of this uh, podcast back to last August, I was speaking with Eric Michaels. I worked with uh, for many years. It was on the air that that night, 28 straight hours. He would easily tell you. The radio's important. Uh, so, so how do I feel about the state of electronic journalism today? And then I go and I mention generators. Well, yeah, generators. It's It seems like it's not connected to feet on the street, which is important, but you need to be able to get on the air and you need to be able to stay on the air uh, and go for as long as possible. You need to have the place staffed properly. You need to be able to have a mechanism so that you can have as many uh, sponsors 
uh, of your as many commercials as 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 long a list of commercial uh, sponsors as possible, so that you're not going to the same well. I remember that uh, that would uh, some of my friends in the sales department would, you know, sometimes lament that they were feeling like they were going to the same the same people all the time and it's good to have those accounts on you know regularly but there's other there's other businesses and not here to talk about sales in particular but you know you need to get revenue in and there's there's some things that I don't know everything about that I, I would certainly want feedback from someone who did know something about, and that's uh, revenue, uh, commercial advertisers, both local and regional, in order to in order to keep uh, the money coming in, to be able to pay people well, to go and cover the stories, and who have the experience in order to have that vital background that can come in handy at the most random of moments. Former CBS Evening News anchor Dan Rather once said that uh, it's relatively cheap to package news after it's been gathered already. It's an entirely different expense to gather the news. And this is uh, important to me if, if, if it's your local select board, your local town meeting, or if it's a story that has an element of the federal or state level of government involved, as far as a re- whether it's a regulatory uh, story or a legislation story. What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just got to hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. I don't like scrolling headlines at the bottom of the screen. I like screens that are quiet. In terms of television news, I'd focus on one hour at 6 p.m. local news and put the resources in to make that hour count. There's no need for repeating half hours of local news on TV, which because you need people to execute the production, and they're burned out. You know, you got to have somebody who puts together the graphics on the screen to make sure they're spelled right. Every once in a while, something slips. Because the, I, I know you're, 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 you're burned out. And because they're in the control room or the newsroom mapping out each half, how each half hour is going to go, uh, there's not enough feet on the street to quote the retired 1010 Winds reporter John Montone. Do I like all news radio? Yes. That That's... But radio is, is not as costly to put together as television. And it does not take as many people to stay on the air in the studio. You know, it does not take as much effort to play recorded stories on the radio as it does on television because you need someone to 
put the name on the screen of the person that you're looking at who's talking, and then you need to say, okay, um, you know, you, you need you need a videographer going with a reporter. Uh, period. Uh, there are these uh, MMJs, multimedia journalists, who, uh, through no fault of their own, I would say, have to go and shoot their own video and then interview people in order to put together a story. And it's not their intention, but something's going to be missed. Something that makes it because, and, and I'm not blaming you, I'm saying that your jam is spread too thin. It's juggling, and I would argue. And uh, you, need, you really need someone who is a photographer working with you, who's focusing on what the pictures look like. Because they can, they can think in in terms of what's it look like and if you're the reporter you're there you need to be focusing on who you're talking to who are you forming up your thought and for heaven's sakes you cannot be a one-person show and be live this happened a couple of months ago it was in february it was in march the video went viral because someone was on the air live and because they did not have a photog working with them, they did not see while they were on live that a sport utility vehicle was coming up from behind and hit them while they were on the air. That should never happen again. You know, I, I got my... <laughs> I want a reporter working with a photographer. Period. That's every single time the stories are always going to look better because you're not spreading your jam too thin. There's someone, uh, people have a, a, a strength in photography and then there's people who have strength in words. And sometimes if you're really gifted, they're going to overlap and it's going to be beautiful and you're going to be that one that can pull off the jobs of two people. But that's not everybody. I'm really going on a this is a time here. I think we're, we're coming in on 25 minutes already. I haven't done one of these in months, uh, at least since last year. I don't care where you live. You need feet on the street to go out and get the news. Sometimes it's feet in the forest as opposed to the street because there's rural stories, feet in the fields because it's agricultural news. And sometimes they need to be on docks and on, uh, out, out in the seas with, with the fishermen uh, trying to tell their stories of the oceans and, and environmental factors that are going on out there. Uh, but feet going out to gather the news are important because about a month ago, I'm sure you remember the story that I had on here about a town in New Hampshire uh, and uh, because not enough people knew about the views of some integral members of town government in that community, that the public school budget was slashed in half at town meeting day, and that touched a nerve. But I get what the dilemma is. 
The local newspaper once had the classified ads as a key cog in their revenue machine, in addition to paying subscribers in circulation. There must be a model, a new model on, on the web which shares a good deal of technical resources uh, to make uh, things look smooth for a user experience. But the end game must be for feet on the street. Uh, a lack of it has consequences. Uh, stories don't get told. Last night there was a forest fire. Uh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure. I'm sure you'll tell me that you saw it on the air in Maine. I'm sure you did, but the rest of New England did not see that story. And the regional drought map is the next story, which ties the first story together. And where the heck is there going to be another forest fire? Where's it going to be? Uh, and then, of course, the, the people visit a Quebec City that didn't get told as wide uh, an audience as I'd like. At least across the six New England states, which I feel deserve a network-quality broadcast. There's one on cable, but uh, local police blotter items, which have a definite place in local news where you live, don't have a place on the model of a New England news hour. I have in mind. Uh, New England's largest trading partner that's not another part of the United States. It's the Maritimes, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, Prince Edward Island, and to a lesser extent, Newfoundland and Labrador, which I know are not part of the Maritimes. Newfoundland, the province of Newfoundland and Labrador is a part of Atlantic Canada, however. And uh, directly north of New England is the expansive province of Quebec. And considering all the hydroelectric power from there, Quebec is practically New England's wall outlet, especially where our more southerly area gets more need for air conditioning in the summer, and they aren't as affected by it. Uh, granted, Montreal, Sherbrooke, Trois-Rivières, and Quebec City get enough heat in the summer, but not like Boston, Hartford, Worcester, and Bridgeport, for example. I want a correspondent in Montreal who can go to Ottawa, where uh, Parliament is, and uh, another in Quebec City. I want someone based in St. John and another in Halifax. Not to mention Washington and New York, where other things happen that affect the region. Uh, do I care whether it's a part of public broadcasting or commercial broadcasting? No. In the end, I don't think, I think this could work in either environment. But obviously, I want other correspondents covering topics within New England who have a deep background. And you know what? Costs money to hire skilled feet on the street. I know I focused on New England this time. And uh, not the many other places you call home. But here's where this can work out is there's a month where I'm on a hiatus but I always monitor the feedback that comes in. I'd love to know how that regional news gap is filled where, where you live or if you experience the same things. Uh, I, I want to hear from you. Uh, no, I'm, I'm not here to bash reporters trying to work hard in conditions I'd never want them to have. Uh, this is about constructively building and, and going forward and making sure people aren't burned out so they leave the business. And then there's even less people to work with. So they're even more burned out. And it's a vicious circle. Uh, it's about having stories which have deep background because the correspondents are experienced and have big Rolodexes of sources. Or at least electronic Rolodexes. Not that the, Well, some of the older ones probably do have the, the, the cards. The, 
uh, back in May when I went on hiatus for a health issue, I caught a nice voice note that I'm not mentioning until now that was submitted to me through the Anchor app, I think. It might have been submitted to me through, through Spotify, but it, it might have been through the Anchor app where someone was listening. Uh, and and uh, maybe you can leave your views on this topic through that mechanism in the coming months. I have left the talkback number, Be Active, which I haven't mentioned much across the past year because uh, these regular morning features have been short. But if you want to call that number and leave a message, that's in the area code 802-467-0212. 802-467-0212. And uh, while certainly I'll be on vacation with my son for a certain part of this time off, and I'll be seeing a dear friend in Rochester, New York, and catching up with him, uh, that doesn't mean that uh, between now and then I couldn't actually have a, a telephone conversation with you because I want this to be about dialogue. It didn't need to be on the record. It was just chatting. And that's where I think we draw things to a close on this final Bob's world before my August vacation. I've gone on more than, I've gone on about a half an hour here. <laughs> Have you heard enough? I think I've heard enough. So uh, that's the final Bob's world before my August vacation. And, and uh, oh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. Robert underscore Welch 914. That's Robert underscore Welch 914. That's 914, like the telephone area code for Westchester County, New York, 914. And that's Bob's World for this Friday, July 29th, 2022. I'm Bob Welch. Make it a happy, safe, great summer, wherever you are. And in September, I'll see you on the smartphone.